Church family, you guys can go ahead and grab a seat. It's good to see everyone this morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church here on the Modesto campus, also on our online campus. It's good to be together to come and to worship Jesus Christ. When I woke up this morning and realized my house didn't burn down, I was grateful. I was grateful. I was a thankful man. And uh, it's amazing how many times a boom can go off and I still jump in my seat when it happens. Uh, Last night as I was hearing things, bombs bursting in air. Uh, We have a lot to be grateful for. And uh, I'm all for celebrating and I want to celebrate safely. I'm thankful to be together. I'm thankful that we can spend some time in the Word of God together. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 11 today. If you want to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 11, I want to give you a quick update uh, before we get into God's word together. And that is uh, during this COVID season, we decided to launch an online uh, Bible study on Wednesday night. And we're going to take a break from that for a couple months. And so beginning this week, we're going to take a break with our online Bible study. We're going to do that for a number of reasons. First of all, taking a break is good. And taking a break gives us time to kind of rethink, reevaluate, make it better. Um, We're really excited to maybe offer some new and creative ways to serve our church family as we launch in the fall. And so we'll be taking a break from that. But if you have a rhythm where on Wednesday nights you've been gathering with a group, there's still a lot of resources available. Our men's ministry and our women's ministry are both offering online studies this summer. Plus, we have an archive of over a decade of content on our website. And so just go to bigvalleygrace.org, click on past messages or more media, and you'll have more content than you can enjoy this summer as we take a break with our online Wednesday night Bible study. Now, the uh, series that we're gonna begin next week, Pastor Rick and I both just real excited about that series because God has kind of put it on both of our heart to really go through our name the name of our church family, what we're called, Big Valley Grace Community Church, that we would walk through that together for the next four weeks beginning next week. And really it's an opportunity for us to uh, talk about our story and our name and really you know, how our story and our name really kind of sets an opportunity for us to look forward in the future. And one of the things that's been helpful for me is to take the name of our church and to put it in a sentence that we are reaching people in this big valley with the grace of Jesus Christ and community with his church. What are we about? Why was our name given Big Valley Grace Community Church? Well, we want to reach people. And there's this big valley that we're in. We want to reach people with the grace of Jesus Christ and community with his church. So it's going to be a great time the next four weeks as Pastor Rick and I enjoy talking about Jesus Christ through really the context of the name of our church family. Uh, We're in this series called Come and See Jesus. It was our June series, and I decided, hey, let's extend it one more week into July for this weekend. And this weekend, we're looking at really an invitation to rest. It's an invitation to rest. And for those of you who couldn't get any sleep last night because things were exploding, you have an invitation to rest this morning and uh, just try not to fall asleep. We're going to have some communion. We're going to enjoy communion together. So here on the Modesto campus, there are prepackaged communion elements, and so you might want to open these away from you later in the gathering when you come get them, and that way you don't get them on you. Uh, But if you are watching online, I would encourage you uh, in your home, in your residence, wherever you are, to go get some bread and and to go get some juice, and that we might, at the end of our gathering, enjoy communion together as Uh, The musicians will come back out and they'll lead us in song and we'll enjoy communion during that song. 
The, the passage that we're going to look at today, it has impacted me greatly. This passage has been so meaningful to me. God has used it over and over again to really minister to me and to minister to my heart. And the context of this passage, it's, it's six verses we're going to look at. And the first three verses really set up the second three verses. The first three verses help us understand a context for the second three verses. And in the first three verses, we see that Jesus is speaking to God the Father, and he's praising him, and he's thanking him, and he's showing God the Father gratitude because he's able to do what's in the next three verses. And so these first three verses, we get a window into the unity of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we get to see this intimate moment between Jesus and God the Father as he acknowledges how good God the Father is and how wonderful it is that God the Father has worked so that Jesus can do what is in the second three verses. So I hope that as we look at this passage today, that it's an exciting moment for you for a lot of reasons. And I'll share those as we walk through it. But I hope that this is really, really a great moment that you can come and you can see Jesus's invitation for you to enter into rest. He begins in verse 25 in Matthew chapter 11. It says, at that time, Jesus declared... I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. So he begins by praising God and thanking God regarding something that Jesus calls these things. Well, what are these things? Well, I think we can understand that these things are everything that has to do with the Father. And these things are everything that has to do with the Son. And these things are everything that has to do with the Holy Spirit. These things are everything that has to do with heaven. These things are everything that has to do with the kingdom of God. These things are everything that Jesus has been teaching and been leading. And so he simply says, these things, Father, you have done something with these things. Two things he's done with these things. One, he's hidden them. And the other, he's revealed them. And what he says that's really interesting about how he's hidden them is that he's hidden them from the wise and understanding. And what this tells me in this moment is that in my own wisdom and in my own understanding, I can never become wise enough on my own or understanding enough on my own that it would unlock the mysteries of heaven. I will never accomplish that from a worldly standpoint in my worldly wisdom and my worldly understanding. The world's wisdom and the world's understanding will never unlock the mysteries of heaven. And he says, thank you, Father, that you've hidden things. But he also says, thank you, Father, that you've revealed things. And who is it that he's revealed things to? He says, you've revealed them to little children. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting that God the Father has chosen to elevate the position of a child? of a kid. God the Father elevates the position of children, that to children, to kids, to a child, that the things of God, these things, the things of the Father, the things of the Son, the things of the Holy Spirit, that they would be revealed to children. 
And it makes me think about the posture in which I approach God. Am I approaching God with wisdom and understanding from this world? Or am I approaching God as a child? Where I'd really take the posture of a child as I approach my heavenly father. So even from the beginning here, even in the first verse, it's got my attention. It goes on into the second verse and it says, yes, father, for such was your gracious will in verse 26. Yes, father, for such was your gracious will. This thought here of gracious will, God's grace. You know, when God expresses his grace, he is showing us an expression of his power because he has the power to do something other than be gracious. But God chooses to be gracious and his grace is an expression of his power, but it's also an expression of his pleasure because God wants to be gracious. God could want something else, but he wants to be gracious. And so when God shows his gracious will and he reveals these things of God to children and he hides them from the wise and the understanding of the world, he's pleased to do it. But it also shows God's providence and his sovereignty that God can make the choice to do this. God can choose to hide things from a worldly standpoint to the wise and the understanding, and he can choose, he has the freedom to choose to reveal things, the things of God, to children. And so we see here in his gracious will, we see his power and we see his pleasure, we see his providence all wrapped up in this wonderful gift. It reminds me when we were going through on the Wednesday night Bible study of the names of God. And one of the names of God we went through was found in Exodus chapter 13, or 33, verse 19. And God's speaking to Moses in this verse. And God says, I will make my goodness pass before you and proclaim before you my name, the Lord. But he doesn't just leave it with the Lord, Yahweh. He says, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. When God expresses his grace and he expresses his mercy, he is proclaiming his name. And so Jesus, in gratitude and in praise of the Father, he thanks God, the Father, for what God is doing, hiding things, and revealing things because of his gracious will, because of who he is, because of his name. He goes on in verse 27, and Jesus says, all things have been handed over to me by the Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. It says, Jesus is saying, all things have been handed over to me by the Father. See, Jesus is heavenly. He is the eternal Son of God, and he is equal to God the Father. And in this verse, he's saying, God the Father has handed everything over to God the Son. He goes on to say that no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And so we can see right here in this verse that because Jesus has chosen to reveal the Father to you, you can understand that your understanding of God 
it is a gift that Jesus has given you because he chooses to reveal the Father. And so any revelation of God that you have, you can understand that as a gift that Jesus has given you. He has done the work to reveal God to you. So these first three verses, they really, as context, they really set up what is happening in the next three verses, which is, in the first three verses, Jesus is praising God for the fact in the next three verses, he can extend an invitation to you. We see in verse 28, the beginning of this invitation, he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me all. Jesus casts a net that is so wide right here. It is all inclusive. And he's saying all, everyone, the totality. It's all inclusive. It's an invitation for everyone, each and every person, but also all of each and every person. Jesus is inviting all, but he's also inviting the whole person of every person that he's inviting. He wants all of you. He's inviting all of you to come to him. And he says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. We're gonna talk about what take my yoke means here in a little bit. But when he says, take my yoke upon you, what I see there is that Jesus is inviting us into a process. He's saying, I got a way of life. I got a way of doing things and I'm inviting you into my way. Would you allow me to lay a template, to lay a process over your life, to lay a way over your life that you might experience my way? Don't you think that Jesus has a different way about him? The way Jesus operates, he operates different. And he's saying, I got a way and I'm inviting you into that way. You know, Jesus operates from a purpose that is guided by the will of the Father. And he operates from a perspective that is focused by God the Father. And so Jesus is operating from a purpose and a perspective that is really, it is fueled by his relationship with the Father. And he's saying, I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you into the way that I have about me. You know, when early on in Christianity, there was a term to describe Christians and it was the way. They were people of the way. And they would call Christians the way. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And so we have this beautiful invitation. So what we're going to do now is we're going to kind of unpack just the last three verses. But my invitation to you, the reason that I picked this passage, I chose this passage, that we might enjoy it together as a church family this weekend, is that you might come and see Jesus's invitation to rest. And his invitation, it's one invitation, but it, it has multiple parts. And I looked at this passage and I broke it into five parts. And so we're going to look at five parts. It's a five-part invitation to rest that Jesus extends. One invitation, but there's five parts to it. And the first part is simply, he says, come. The first part is come. You know, when I began to think about moments in my life when someone important to me said, come, I thought very early on, as a young boy, 
to hear my mother say, come. She would invite me to her and place me on her lap. And how comforted I would feel as a young boy, as my mom would invite me to come and to be on her lap. I thought about a moment when my father said, come away with me. And he took me on a trip up into the immigrant wilderness and he taught me how to fish. And he taught me how to cook food over a fire. And he taught me how to put up a tent. I thought about as a young boy, I have two older brothers when they were in adolescence and busy with friends and social life and they would take a moment and say to me, the younger brother, come, you get to hang out with us today. How special that made me feel. I remember years ago, when this really pretty girl named Sarah Blake at youth group at Big Valley Grace Community Church while Pastor Rick Countryman was talking, she said, come and sit by me. And how special that made me feel. You fast forward to moments now where one of my young daughters, she said, daddy, come. I have a gift for you. And she wrapped a bracelet that she made around my wrist. Or when my young son says, Dad, come, there's a game I want to play with you. Or this last week when my 18-year-old son said, Dad, I was wondering, can I come and have a conversation with you? Because I have some questions about what I see in culture right now. And I was wondering if we could look at what the Bible says and we could talk about it together. How special I felt as a dad that my 18-year-old kid wanted to have that kind of conversation with me. You see, the person who's extending the invitation, it is what makes the invitation special. It's the person who says, come. And what my hope is, is that for you today, that you would see how incredible Jesus Christ is. How special Jesus Christ is. How personal Jesus Christ is. How loving Jesus Christ is. And how amazing it would be that he would look to you and he would say, come. You know, this idea of come, it requires movement, right? If you're going to come to Jesus, it requires you to move. It requires you to move towards Jesus, which when we think about it in that way, it also means that we're moving away from something else. We're moving away from wherever we are so that we can move towards Jesus, And when we realize that we're moving away from wherever we are, it's a good opportunity to go, where are we? (laughs) Where where are we right now? And I would encourage you that in this moment right now, we'd have a little bit of a self-check. I'm going to give you 10 words. And as I say these 10 words, my encouragement to you is just to evaluate quickly, how are you doing in that area of your life? And then after I say these 10 words, I would encourage you just to maybe choose one. Which one of these 10 words sticks out to you as, well, that's the area right now that really has caught my attention? Here are the 10 words. The first word is spiritual. How are you doing in your spiritual life? The second word is intellectual. How's your mind? How's your thoughts? How are the things you've been thinking about? How are you doing intellectually. The third word is emotional. How are you doing with your emotions and your feelings? The fourth word is physical. How's your body right now? How's your physical body? How's your health? 
How are you doing with your health? The next word, if it applies to you, is marital. How are you doing in your marriage? How's your relationship between you and your spouse? The next word is parental. If you're a parent, how are you doing with your kids? How's your relationship with your children? Or if you're a child, how are you doing with your relationship with your parents? How's your relationship with mom and dad going? The next word is social. This might be a hard one in in this season of isolation. How are you doing with friendships? How are you doing with the people that you spend time with? The next word is vocational. How's your career going or your retirement going? How's your work or whatever it is you spend time working hard at? The next word is avocational, your hobby. What's going on in your hobby life right now? The thing you love to do and you love to spend time on. How's that going? And the last word is financial. How's your financial health? How's your budget or lack thereof going right now? How are your finances? Which one of those words stuck out to you? Which one of those words caught your attention? I would just encourage you to think about that as we move through this section here. Because Jesus says in verse 28, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. And I believe that Jesus' come to me invitation, it's an invitation for all of you, all of who you are, to come to all of who Jesus is. Because when he says labor, Jesus is addressing your workload and he's addressing your workload and your labor in all the areas of your life. When Jesus says heavy laden, Jesus is addressing your burdens and he's addressing your burdens in all the areas of your life. And so this invitation that Jesus extends, it is very personal. It is like an all access pass to God. And so if you think about it like that, that Jesus has given you an invitation to come to him and you have access to the Son of God, my question would be, how are you using your access to God? How are you taking advantage of the fact that you have an invitation to have an all-access pass to God? You see, Jesus is ready to reveal himself to you. In verse 27, it says that he chooses to reveal the Father. Jesus is ready to reveal himself to you. Are you ready to reveal yourself to Jesus? A friend of mine and I were talking about this passage this week, and my friend said something that I just really liked. He said, I think this passage is saying, Jesus wants the real you, who you really are. That's who Jesus wants. Who are you really? Because that's who Jesus is inviting to come to him. He wants the real you. Part two is receive. Jesus says, I will give. When Jesus says, I will give, he's indicating that he has a gift to share. And when we talk about, you know, what does Jesus have to offer? Like, who is this person that he has a gift to share? Who is this Jesus? Well, Jesus is fully God and he is fully man in one person, and will be so forever. And as we look at Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, in verse 10 and 12, it uses an Old Testament passage to describe Jesus. I'm going to read this to you, and I'm going to insert Jesus' name in this passage so we can see what it's saying about Jesus. 
You, Jesus, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands, Jesus. They will perish, but you, Jesus, remain. They will wear out like a garment, like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you, Jesus, are the same. And your years, Jesus, will have no end. Jesus is fully God. Well, in Hebrews chapter 1, it lets us know that. But in Hebrews chapter 2, as I turn the page, in verse 17 and 18, it says, Therefore he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers, had to be made human, had to be, take on human flesh, like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and a high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he, Jesus himself, has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus is fully God, and he's fully man in one person, and he will be so forever. And he's saying, I will give he has something to give. Uh, years ago, my dad, he, he shared with me this illustration, something that stuck with me in my adult life. He, he opened up his hands and he said, Joel, you got to keep your hands open. You got to keep your hands open with God because the Lord gives and the Lord takes away and blessed be the name of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I like to like control and hold on to things really tight and, and really get a grip on things. Maybe I'm the only person like that. But the problem with that is, is if I've got my hands closed, that kind of messes things up when God gives and he takes away. And my dad said, you gotta keep your hands open. And that way the Lord can put in your hands whatever he wants to put in your hands. And when God takes it out of his hands, you don't break your fingers. You know, and that stuck with me. Going, you know, I gotta keep my hands open. And I hold on to things so tight so that God can take things out of my hands if he wants to take them out of my hands. And I don't get my fingers broken in the process. You know, receiving means we got to be open-handed before the Lord. He says, I will give you rest. He says, I will give you. Jesus is connecting all of who he is to all of who you are. And he wants to give you an incredible gift. And the way he sums up the entire gift that he wants to give you, he sums it up in one word and he calls it rest. That's the title of the gift that he wants to give you. He wants to give you rest. Now, the phrasing here, it implies that Jesus is actually going to cause rest in your life. He's gonna cause you to be restful. He's gonna cause you to have refreshment. And it makes me think about times when God gives you a timeout. You know, you're just running and gunning, you're going so hard and then something happens and all of a sudden you're laid flat on your back and you got a timeout with God. That's happened to me a number of times in my life where God gave me a timeout. And he said, Joel, you need some rest and I'm gonna force it in your life right now. I'm gonna force, I'm gonna cause you to have rest so that you can have some refreshment. Maybe you've experienced a time like that. Could you use some rest right now? Could you use some refreshment right now? It's a gift that God wants to give, and it's a gift for you to receive. Part three is take. You know, we start talking about rest, and we start talking about, you know, experiencing rest and refreshment. Some of us might think, oh, this is completely passive. This is, there's nothing, there's no action here. No, there's action here. One of the things, one of the parts of this invitation is take. 
He says, take, take. He says, take my yoke. And when Jesus says, take my yoke, it is an offer to work alongside Jesus. I can remember moments when an invitation has come my way for me to come and work for somebody. And I chose to take a job offer. You know, and how, 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 how cool of a moment that is to realize that a job's being offered to you and you have the option to take a job. Jesus is providing you with the opportunity of a lifetime to come and work alongside him. I mean, talk about a career builder. Jesus is saying, take my yoke, work alongside with me. Come and work for me and see what happens. You know, I challenge you to think about Jesus as your boss. To think about, years ago, you know, I saw on a bumper sticker, it said, my boss is a Jewish carpenter. And I thought, that's cool. That's a cool way to think about it. You know, to think that my boss is a Jewish carpenter. And I kind of remembered that for my, for my life. And to think that Jesus is your boss, how would you work if Jesus was your boss? How would you work if every day you saw Jesus is your boss and he's the one who's giving you the instructions and he's the one who's gonna work alongside you? How would your attitude about work change if you thought that you were working for Jesus and you were working with Jesus? You know, God is your creator and he has created you to work in a certain way. What if you began to lean into that and you began to work in the way that God has designed to you to work? I wonder how your work would become a joy and you would receive incredible joy as you work. Jesus is saying, take, take my yoke upon you. You know, in 1 John 2, 6, we find some instruction on how to walk with Jesus each day as we work with him. It says, whoever says he, that, whoever says that Jesus abides in him, so if I say that Jesus abides in me, if I say I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, then we ought to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. And Jesus is extending an invitation. He's saying, come walk with me, come work with me. Come walk with me and come work with me and see how your life might be different. See how your work might become a joy. Part four is learn. I remember when I was accepted into the Moody Bible Institute of Chicago and how exciting it was to receive an invitation to come and to learn at Moody Bible Institute of Chicago. How excited I was that I received that invitation to learn. Jesus actually knows everything. He's not a know-it-all in the sense that he thinks he knows everything. You probably think some, you probably know some, don't point at him. You probably know some people like that, all right? They think they know everything. They always have the answer for everything. No, Jesus actually knows everything. And he's inviting you to come and to learn from him. Think about God as your teacher. Do you wanna learn from someone like that? Do you wanna have someone like that make an investment in your life? Because Jesus is saying, Learn from me. Learn from me. I would ask you a question. Is there room for you to grow by the guidance of God? Is there room in your life, is there space in your life for you to grow, for you to experience growth by the guidance of God? He says, learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus says he's gentle. You know, when we think about gentle, we can think that maybe Jesus is weak, that he's powerless, And that would be completely wrong. 
Because when Jesus says he's gentle, he's saying I'm mild and I'm meek and I have all authority and all power at my disposal, but it is under control. And I have all authority and all power, but it's under control. And the way I am going to interact with you is I am going to interact with you in a gentle way. He's saying he's going to be a gentleman. Don't take this as he's weak or powerless. He's saying, I have all authority and all power, and I am going to interact with you in a way that is gentle. He says, I'm lowly in heart. Jesus is unpretentious. He's not arrogant. He's not puffed up, but he's humble, and he takes the form of a servant. Philippians 2.7 says that he emptied himself, and he's taken on the posture, the form of a servant. In verse 27, Jesus says, all things have been handed over to me by the Father. So we have to see that he is authority. Jesus is all authority serving. That's a picture of leadership. He is all authority and he is serving. That is a picture of leadership. Don't you wanna be that kind of leader? You are a leader. You lead your own life at a bare minimum, but you have influence in the lives of other people, which makes you a leader. And as you lead, don't you want to be that kind of leader? Don't you want to be that kind of leader where whatever authority, whatever responsibility God has given you and, and you are the steward of, that you operate in that way as a servant? That is the picture of what Jesus gives here. And he says, come and I want you to learn. Part five that we're going to end with, and then we're going to have some time in communion. He says, you will find you will find, you know, walking with Jesus and accepting the invitation to come to Jesus, it is a lifelong discovery. It is a journey of enjoyment that never ends. As long as you're walking on this planet, you're gonna continue to discover there is opportunity to learn and to grow and to find new things in Christ each and every day. It is a beautiful invitation for believers. In addition to Jesus giving rest, he's also saying you will find rest. Beyond the rest that we find each and every day in Christ that's available to us, he's also painting a picture ahead for the future and he's saying there's an eternal rest that I have for you in glory. And so Jesus gives a gift of rest. He's inviting us to find rest each and every day and there comes a moment where we experience eternal rest with him in heaven. He says, you're going to, he says, you're going to find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is the only place that you will find rest for your souls. You can't get it on Amazon. You can't get it shipped next day on Prime. You can't go on to Netflix and watch an episode of it. Rest from your souls is only going to be found in Jesus Christ. He is the only source that you are going to experience rest for your souls. You can try to take care of this issue of lack of rest from your soul in a lot of ways. There's a lot of damage you can actually do to yourself trying to solve the problem of rest for your soul because you'll never do it on your own. And Jesus is saying, I want you to come and I want you to find it. Come find it in me. And Jesus explains why you're gonna find rest for your soul with him because he says my yoke is easy. He says it's pleasant. It's pleasant. It's not difficult for you to bear. He says my burden is light. It's not too heavy for you. Why? Why do we get to take advantage 
of this rest for our soul that Jesus offers, well, it goes back to the beginning. It goes back to the gracious will of the Father. It is the gracious will of the Father and what the gracious will of the Father has accomplished through Jesus Christ to become our Redeemer. This week, I was reminded of a phrase that Jesus said when he was on the cross. There's seven phrases recorded in Scripture when Jesus is on the cross, seven phrases he says when he's on the cross. And one of the phrases he says is, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Now, in that moment, in the immediate context, he's definitely addressing the people who are near him. But as we see what the teachings of Scripture are, I can understand that in that moment, I know it's about me too. Father, forgive Joel. He doesn't realize what he's doing, man. The moments that things have come out of my mouth, the things that have just come running out of my mouth, and it's like they come out of my mouth before I realize I even thought them. The times that my feet have gone places that I shouldn't have gone, I shouldn't have been there. And Jesus has had to say, Father, forgive Joel, because Joel doesn't realize what he's doing right now. The times I've put my hand to work that have not been about the things of God, they've been about evil things. They've been sinful things. And Jesus said to say, Father, forgive Joel. He doesn't realize what he's doing. That the heart of God is to invite you to him exactly how you are. And he understands that he is going to forgive you. He's going to provide forgiveness for you. And we see that so clearly in communion, which is what we're going to celebrate here in just a moment. When we think about Jesus's body, Jesus' body was offered as a substitute for our body. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, how Jesus is our substitute. It says, for our sake, he made Jesus, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus offered his body to be sin because of our sin, so that we might be able to experience the righteousness of God. Jesus became our substitute. But when we think about his blood that was shed, Jesus sheds his perfect blood as the, and here's a big word, propitiation. Propitiation in 1 John 2, verse 2, we see how this word propitiation plays out. It says, he, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins. So that word means the means by which our sins are forgiven. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. He is the means by which our sins are forgiven. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I'm really glad that that next sentence was there. Because now that I know that Jesus is the means by which the sins are forgiven for the whole world... I know that Jesus is the means by which my sins are forgiven and how that I can have forgiveness in Jesus Christ. So today, when you enjoy communion, you can come up during this next song, you can grab their prepackaged. just be careful as you open them up. If you're watching online, you're with us on our online campus, you can take some bread in the cup during this next song. Enjoy communion. I hope that today you will be so encouraged that this Jesus who offered his body and his blood for you, that he's saying, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Come to me, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father God, Lord, may we honor you during this time. Would the name of Jesus Christ be lifted up. Lord, would we remember who you are and what you have accomplished for us. And may this be an incredible time as we remember communion, as we really sense, Lord, that Jesus Christ himself has invited us close and is offering his body and his blood to us in a very personal, personal way. And as we take that bread and as we take that cup, may it be an incredible physical reminder of this amazing spiritual reality of how much you love us and how much you care for us. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. Let's enjoy communion together.